Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest, a friend of mine for many years, Scotty Meads, who is uh, with his wife, Heather. They have been missionaries all over the world, India, Thailand, Cyprus, and they're getting ready to go back after a few years in America. Uh, and actually going to be the first missionaries that we're supporting uh, from our church. So this is great to have him here giving this message, which uh, is kind of a continuation of what he talked about a year ago when he was last here. So let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. Howdy, folks. How y'all doing? Y'all can tell I'm from Pumpkin Center, huh? just down the street. Well, it's wonderful to see y'all, and and I'm very happy that we're going to be partnering together to do all kind of cool stuff, more fun things. And uh, this is my wife, Heather. You got to stand up and wave, say, hey. Yes, you do. Hey. And this is our youngest, Will. Hey. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, when it comes to partnership, I guess my favorite scripture is, bing, here it comes, Third John 8. There's actually, I must have put one in there, but there's only one <laughs> chapter, so it's just a verse. Therefore, we ought to support such people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth, and in context, it's talking about people who are working with pagans. It says, because they don't get anything from the pagans they go to. And so what they were doing is, like, the, the body of Christ would, would join in to the work and become co-workers. And that's the cool thing about what we get to do. It's actually a privilege, you know, that, that we're able to go and work with what we call unreached peoples. And in the world today, right now, there are 2.2 billion people who have not heard the gospel haven't heard about god 2.2 billion and so that's a whole crew of us type folks who are out there living over around these unreached ethnic people groups and bringing the good news to them and so they don't pay our way so (laughs) or the work we do so there's believers all over the world that help to fund these types of missions overseas and uh, our heart is to be able to see people, which we've, we have seen people from ethnic groups that might not actually have any believers, have some people come to know the Lord, then some of those people actually take on the mission themselves to reach their own people. That's pretty cool. That is like way groovy, actually, <laughs> you know, when you see stuff like that happen. So I'm, we're going to show you a, a short video Please check us out at mercyforasia.com. And uh, since we are going to be working together, you can go on uh, onto the website. And when you get there, up in the upper right-hand corner, it says new sign-up. And you can put your email address and your name. And uh, about around once a month, you might get some information from us. And you can also communicate with us. We really love when people are interceding for us. And so in the, in the back on the table the coffee table, and on the bar, the coffee bar, not the communion bar with the alcohol, (laughs) 
We have a prayer card, and you can take one of those home if you like and pray for us. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much. And uh, I'm telling you what, it is a privilege to have an opportunity to partner because the, the way I look at it is this. You know, God has this thing that he loves to do around the world, you know? He loves to see people come into a better relationship with him. And we, as a people, have opportunities to do that. And how we do that is, like, we see this and we say, okay, we'll do that, God. And we take our energy and put into it. And there's other folks that go out and put their energies into work, and it results in green dollar bills, our 20s or 100s, you know. And then we combine those things together, and then we're able to do the work. It's pretty cool. But the neat thing is, is that we all uh, reap the reward of those investments together. It's pretty neat. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Come on now. Woo. So, good. Okay, I covered everything. I always have a list to make sure I cover what I want to cover. Now, all right. So, last year in our, our first session... <laughs> We, <laughs> the scripture we looked at was Acts fifteen nineteen, and uh, if you want to check it out, it's actually pretty cool, not just because I did it, but uh, we talked about this. It says, it's my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God, and we talked about how God's heart is to make it easy for the heathen folks, you know, that want to come know him. And most of the time, you won't ever hear that, right? I mean, who's going to talk, preach about that we should make it easy for people to get saved? But that's God's heart. We talked about how our Christian customs many times are a burden to us, but a barrier to people outside of us and how to get over those barriers. That was our first thing right there. And today, we're going to continue in Acts chapter 17. And the scripture we're going to cover is 17:18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him, talking about Paul. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And you see the word babbler. Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Isn't that great? Yeah, we're going to go preach the gospel. We're going to go tell people about Jesus. And uh, wouldn't it be nice if you did that and people were talking about you saying, hey, what in the world is that guy talking about? I don't know. He's just babbling. You know, it's like if I come and say, hey, I want to tell you about Jesus. Jesus did. And then he. It's like babbling. You know, what it means is just that they had no idea what he was talking about. And, and, and actually, he was, uh, they thought that he was talking about some foreign gods, plural. Why? Because he was sharing the good news with them. Huh? He was sharing the gospel, and people thought that he was talking about foreign gods. And some people had no idea what in the world he was talking about. So I want to uh, start off. Right before that, so we're in Acts chapter 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them, his co-workers, in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. Oh, no, the city's in sin. Ah, it's so terrible, you know. 
No, Covington! <laughs> There's too many sinners in Covington. <laughs> so we're all distressed. So in verse 17, he reasoned. His reasoning means that there's two points of views being discussed. In the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Now, the, one, the first thing that caught my attention was is that Paul didn't read his Bible. Hmm. Paul, you should have gotten a big mall and went and crushed all of those idols down. Because that's what they did in the Old Testament. But it, he didn't do that. He was distressed over it, but he went and started talking to people and reasoning with them. Now we're going to find out in a minute why he didn't go with a big mall and crush them down. Sometimes we have that attitude with people. Right? I've had it. I'm just talking about me. You know, I approach somebody and immediately you see their sin and you get a big mall and start beating on their sin. You heathen, bam, you need to get saved. Let's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, a group, okay. So they said that they thought he was talking about other gods. Then he took them and brought them into a meeting of the Areopagus, and they said to him, may we know this new teaching that you're presenting. You're bringing some very strange ideas to us. We want to know what it means. And they spent a lot of their time talking about these issues. Hmm? Now, this is the thing, one of the things that really caught me a long time ago when God began to speak to me about this because I was in an extreme cross-cultural, cross-worldview atmosphere working with Hindu people in India. And I saw that I was just hitting a wall and going like zero, you know. Actually, it just seems like the more I talked about Jesus, the further back I was going with that. Because they didn't understand. You know, I thought it was the devil. I said, that's the devil. We got to pray. Oh, God. You got to unblock their ears from the devil. They just don't get it because it's the devil. Then that didn't work. And then I thought it was because they were just hard-hearted heathen folks. They're hard hearts. God, they're just heathens. You know, hard. They just, they're not wanting to get it then, you know. But then I finally realized, oh, it's not them, it's me. <laughs> There's something with me. See, I, I learned that the gospel is not communicated until it's understood. The things that we say about Jesus to other people is not communicated, real communication, until the other person understands. And the burden of communication is not on them. They shouldn't need to sit there and take notes on what I'm talking about and then go hit Google with it. <laughs> okay, he used the word hallelujah. What's that mean? <laughs> you know, uh, my wife's brother was a youth pastor and recently uh, his wife was sitting in the audience of teenagers and there was a group of girls sitting there talking during worship and they turned around and said, uh, Miss Christine, who's this lady Hosanna we're singing about? <laughs> she was like, oh, 
I just assumed that you knew that Hosanna was like worship stuff. It's not a person. You know, how many times we assume that people understand what we're talking about when really they have no idea. You know, they, if they wouldn't have asked, they would have went home and told their parents, yeah, we kept singing about this lady. I don't know who she is. Is she in the Bible somewhere? I guess. I don't know. So it's not understood. I mean, it's not communicated until it's understood. You see? Now, come here, Crispin. Crispin is my, uh, he's our model today as he comes up the walkway. (laughs) Today he's wearing clothing (laughs) that came from his closet. And if anybody wants any, just go to the closet. There you go. (laughs) So... (laughs) Chris was going to help me today, just for, and it wasn't hard this morning, and it's not hard now, so you can do it. Just don't change the script. I won't change it at all. <laughs> it's the same one. <laughs> so, all right, if you can ever imagine that Crispin, Crispin was a heathen, an unsaved guy, I know it's hard to imagine because he's so wonderful-looking guy, so clean-cut and spiritual-looking. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? Yes. Yeah. So, say, you know... Chris and I, we've been getting to know each other and hanging out, but I wanted to tell him about what's been going on in my life and some huge changes. And he knows that I've had trouble, but today I want to present to him, you know, what happened to me, how, how it was that I got from where I was to where I am. So <clears throat> here we go. Here's the, hey, Chris, man. What's up, man? Man, it's good to see you again. Gosh, hey. it's so great to hang out with you. Yeah, yeah we have fun. Yeah. Hey, so I'm getting to the point. All right. <laughs> hey. You remember I told you about all the stuff I went through and there's been such a big change? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, do you mind if I tell you what happened? Sure. Sure. You know, man, it was great. You know, I had all this. I I wasn't, I didn't have peace in my life and and I was in all of this trouble and I just couldn't get out of it. And then somebody told me about rum and that rum has the torch, the, the light that brings you down the pathway through the jungle to the city of peace, the city of lights. And, then I, and I went down that pathway in the jungle, and I found the peace. And now I've got it. And now the torch is in my heart. And so I take the torch of peace, and I pass it around for people like you, because you can go through that path also. You can go through the jungle. You're not lost anymore. You can get to the city of light. Is that what, wouldn't you want that? Uh, I don't know, man. Huh? <laughs> Isn't it great, though? Well, I'll go chant for you. I'm happy for I'm going to be you. chanting for you, okay? <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah, did you understand? Did you, like, get it and grasp it and say, yes? That's interesting. <laughs> so, yes, in Hinduism, there's a god named Ram. He's a part of the triune godhead of Hinduism. And their biggest festival of the year is called Diwali, which is a festival of lights. And it's about this story, about he found his way. Now, just like you had no idea what I'm talking about, is what Paul's talking about here. He was bringing the good news of the gospel to people But they were standing there like drooling. Do I have to listen anymore? I have no idea what you're talking about. You know? Now, has that ever happened to you? Now, how about the other? 
How about, has, have you ever been in a place where people are talking to you like you know what you're, they're talking about? And you have no idea what they're talking about? Huh? Isn't that great? Isn't that fun? Oh, just tell me some more. Have you ever been talking to someone and see that they're just lost? Hmm? Every week. Every week. <laughs> on, on Tuesday evenings, right? Nothing to do with... Yeah, okay. It happens all the time. You know, people don't seem to comprehend what in the world are these Christian folks talking about? Now, it's interesting that Paul the Apostle guy, the great evangelist dude, found himself in the same situation here. So what did he do? Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens. So now he's standing up in front of a group of folks and he wants to talk to them because they're asking him, tell us about this stuff because we have no idea what you're talking about. And the first thing he says is, in every way, I see you are very religious. Now, wouldn't that be great if the first thing I did was I got up here and I looked out at you and I said, you're very religious people. Look at you religious people. Wouldn't you feel wonderful? You'd be like, oh, wow, that's so good. I feel nice. He said, I'm a religious guy. See, to us, no. To be religious is a bad thing. But to these people, it was very different. Because they were animists, they were idol worshipers. The more that they do, you know, they were having to pay for their sins by doing physical things. So the, and because they didn't want bad luck. So the more religious they were, the much better off. I mean, we lived in these cultures for so many years. It's the truth. They want to be religious. So crazy thing is, the first thing Paul does when he starts his evangelistic campaign is he compliments the heathen on their heathenness. What in the world is he doing? Yeah, people... You're so wonderfully devoted to your idol worship. Wow, you guys are devoted to worshiping idols. You are so religious. In every way I see, you are very religious. Then he says, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship. Here we go to the idols again, where that he didn't break down. He ends up taking a stroll and looking carefully and studying. So what happened is, is you see that Paul has become a learner. He's a student now. And there's something that he's trying to learn. And he says, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now, I've been in that. I've strangely been in the same thing before. I was in India, south of the capital city, and there was this place I call Idol City. There was 102 idols. I stopped by, and I was going through the whole place one day. And, yeah, and they worship there almost every day, all of the places. They have, you know, incense burning and candles and sacrifices and all this stuff. And I was walking, and sure enough, there was this big altar thing, rock altar deal, and it with an inscription to the God that we do not know in the universe. I was like, hey, that's like old Paul deal, <laughs> you know? People actually do that, and it happens today. People somehow know 
that there is something that they don't know about and it's big. In Thailand, where we work, there's a thing called Sing Sat Sid Han Sak Konalok, and you get that, right? (laughs) It means the holy spiritual thing over the whole universe that we don't know. And when things are serious, guess what? They go to the temple and they pray to Sing Sat Sid Han Sak Konalok. But listen to what Paul said. He said, so you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. Now, Paul's, my opinion is, Paul's accusing them of worshiping God. He says the very thing you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. I'm going to tell you about the thing that you're reaching out to. So it's just like the people with us. I could go and talk about Jesus, but they've never heard the name Jesus. They have no idea who God, Elohim, Theos, all of that stuff. They don't know that. So when we talk to people, this is very cross, extremely cross-cultural stuff. We go and say, I want to talk to you about Sing Satsid Han Sakonalok and the one that he sent. Then they're like, oh, yeah, you're talking about the greatest thing over the whole universe that we don't know. And we've had people say, you know, since I said, I'm going to look. And we're like, yes. And they're like, we've never met anyone that actually knows since I said. We say, oh, can we tell you? Yeah. Now, I've been in the other place where I want to say, oh, see, there's a God. His name's Elohim. We call him God. And they're like, huh? Oh, really? And it would take me weeks, months, and years to try to describe to them and get them to understand. But I'm able to come and say, I want to talk to you about They're like, oh yeah, that's the biggest thing that we don't know about. It's the most important thing. And we've seen people come to the Lord like that. I mean, in like half an hour, 45 minutes, I've seen people like, Tell us what to do to follow the one that was sent by Sing Sat Sid. Because I'm communicating in a way that people can grasp already. And you're going to see that's exactly what Paul's doing here. In verse 24, he says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the master of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And this is the first time that he confronts them. He says that he does not live in temples built by human hands. He's actually using a word, theos, that they use for their temple gods. He says the God that that created everything, so it's different than yours, doesn't live in temples like your gods live in. See, God doesn't live in a building. This is the thing that Jesus is trying to get across. You see, Paul says that that the temple of God is built by people. And he says that each one of us are a brick in that. Buildings come and go. It has nothing to do with property. There's no holy property. It's all God's. Every bit. There's a ballroom right over there. Guess what? It's just as holy as this ground right here. Because you know what? The holiness follows his people wherever they go. You could destroy a building. It's not going to destroy God's people. Because we are his church. The people make it up. See, this is what he's trying to get across to them. That's 
one of the very reasons that they crucified Jesus. Because he took a stand against God living. He doesn't live there anymore. He lives with us. So this is his first confrontation. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he gives life to everyone and breath to everyone else. From one, one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out appointed times in history and the boundaries of their land. God put people where he put them. He did this so that they would seek after him. So he's talking about people who do not know who he is, people who don't live around Christian people, people who don't live around Jewish people, don't know anything. He said that they might seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. See, my opinion is, is that Paul believed that because humankind is created in God's image and in his likeness. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that God has inscribed eternity on the hearts of mankind. There is no escape. No matter how far you run, you cannot escape from being created in God's image and in his likeness. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 talks about that the un the unseen attributes of God are clearly seen through what he's created so that no one has an excuse. Only because we can see God. He made himself seen. So this is what I feel. I feel like that Paul looks into a community and he's searching for something. What is he searching for? I think that he's searching for where is God coming out of these people? There's got to be a place because they're created in God's image and his likeness and eternity is inscribed on their hearts. There's a place where it's coming out. And you know where he found it? He found it in an altar to a God that was big that they didn't know. And he said, you're worshiping this God and you don't even know who he is. Let me tell you about it. Then he got a little crazy. Worse than that. Then he said in verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our own being, or have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now, when I first understood what in the world he was doing, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Because I thought that every word in the Bible was like brand new words that just puffed out. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, poof, it's all new words. But here Paul is quoting Greek poets, Greek spiritual poets. Eratus is one guy. Epimendes is another guy. And this is what he was quoting. So this is a, this is a poem about Zeus. So Paul's quoting a poem about Zeus to Greek people for some reason, and it's in our Bible. I just looked in the Bible encyclopedia and found it. And I was like, oh, look at that's weird. Here's what he said. They fashioned a tomb for thee, O holy and high one. The Cretans, always liars, evil beasts, idle bellies. That's in Titus, the book of Titus. You'll find that. 
but thou art dead. Thou livest and abidest forever. For in thee we live and move and have our being. So here's Paul quoting this guy. Then, immediately after that, he quotes another guy. Let us begin with Zeus, whom we mortals never leave unspoken. For every street, every marketplace is full of Zeus. Even the sea, the harbor are full of his deity. Everywhere, everyone is indebted to Zeus, for we are indeed his offspring. So here's Paul quoting these two guys. And then in verse 29, he says, Therefore, since we are God's offspring. So what is he doing here? Why is he quoting this stuff about Zeus to these people? Now, I have my opinion. Is it okay if I tell you my opinion? Okay. (laughs) You don't have a choice anyway. (laughs) See, all of this stuff applies to us and how we live our lives out, you know? And how we bring the good news of things that have happened to us, our testimonies, how we bring in the people, right? So I think that Paul, Paul believed that people could not escape the godness that they were created after. There's no way to escape. And that it will come out. extremely cross-cultural what I'm talking about but I'm telling you what it goes cross-cultural too those are groups of people and guess how many we have around here like that there's people across the street that if we brought the gospel in a very Christian context Christian cultural context they would have no idea what we're talking about it would just go right over their head understand people. We understand where he's moving at in people's lives already. You know, a few months, I've been traveling for for about a month and a half or so ago, I was sitting with some new age yoga teachers. I was in a, in a very organic-y type shop drinking some, uh, some uh, I don't know what it was, some like wheatgrass or something. 
It was good wheatgrass, too. Woohoo! Let me try that wheatgrass. So I was hanging out drinking some wheatgrass. And they were asking me about what I do, you know, and I told them, I, you know, that I help people understand how to bring the gospel. And they were like, like what? And I was like, well, you know, you guys are, what's your ideas? And they said, well, we're Buddhists. And I was like, okay, like this. So I started sharing the gospel in a way that they could understand. I said, you know, Jesus, who was completely boonie. And you're like, what? What's that? Boonie. Means he was full goodness and merit. It's a, it's a Buddhist idea, but it's actually true in it. Definitely. He was completely good. I say he was boonie. And he did tambun. You're like, what is that? He did a merit for us that was transferred to clean our gum or our bad karma, which means there's, there's we, we sow and reap is all that means. You sow, you reap. Now, we get karma from, uh, what's the name of that show on TV? Crazy guy. Earl. My name is Earl, you know. <laughs> we get understanding of karma from that. But, you know, I'm sitting there talking to the, and the, most of these grew up in church, and then they became New Age and Buddhist and kind of Hinduistic. Uh, but I shared the gospel in a way that was understandable to the thing that connected with them somehow. And I'm sitting there talking, and they're just like, and they were like, We've never heard this before. Why hasn't anybody ever told us this before? It's a different social group that lives down the street from here. Some people that are across the way. My neighbor. Down the road. But it took me just taking a little bit of time and energy to try to understand where is God working at in their heart already. These people are very spiritual. Some aren't, but God's coming out somewhere. And God gives us an opportunity to try to understand them and then in turn communicate in a way that can draw them in to a relationship with him. But you know what? It means it's going to look a lot different maybe. It might trip them out to come and sit down in somewhere like this. Might be too much. <laughs> you know. They might want to sit on the floor and like, you know, chant about Jesus. Huh? You know, in the New Testament, when they were in the upper room at the Last Supper and it says that they sang hymns with one another, that Jesus sang hymns. Guess what? They didn't have hymns. That was a translation from the first English translation of the Bible because that was their song. It actually means that Jesus chanted. They were sitting on pillows on the floor and chanting the Psalms of David back and forth to each other. You know, that it just takes us a little bit of time just to open up our mind and say, okay. What is it? How can I learn to become a better communicator about what's going on in me to a, to a social group of people that's maybe outside of my Christian culture? You know? And when we do that, it just flings open the doors. I'm telling you it does, just from experience. It just flings open the doors for people to be able to come and walk into a relationship with their creator that they never had the opportunity to have. Hmm? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity, God, that you've given us to be lights and shine. God, I pray that our light and shining would be in a comprehensible manner, Lord. God, help us to become the ones that bear the burden of communicating. 
God, I pray that you would open up doors for us to reach people, to reach our neighbors, to reach people at our workplaces, at school. God, I pray that you would bring wonderful occurrences in our life where we see people come to understand who you are. And God, we bless you and thank you for the opportunity to do that. God, it's a privilege. In Jesus' name, we thank you so much. And I just pray, bless this church as we work together. Amen. 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 Thank you so much.